Welcome back to season four of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com and your one-stop shop for all things geek culture. If you are watching us on the live stream right now, you can see we're back inside. Uh, yes, uh, after many weeks of being able to uh, be back in the studio together, unfortunately, the vid is still lo- lurking out in these streets, even as summer comes. And to uh, ensure the current health and status of our crew, we are back at home. So this week we will be at home, but looking forward to uh, getting back in the studio, hopefully next week and getting every, making sure everybody's healthy and doing all the safety things we got to do to keep the show going and our wonderful staff feeling great. But that dark cloud aside, that's the only dark cloud we have today because we have so much fun stuff to talk about. I mean, that's a lie. We're about to get real dark and argue a lot. <laughs> what in this podcast kind of say they love. So I did uh, not. Yeah, I did yeah. not comic book. <laughs> <laughs> I did not infect everyone. <laughs> Matt infected everybody get, with a is helmet. Is there a helmet con? No, that's the last place. I mean, that's like the safest place we can that's we can it. probably bet on is helmet con. Everybody's wearing helmets. I mean, forget <laughs> that. Face shield con. But, uh, face shield con needs to be yeah. a thing. If you're a longtime fan of the show, you probably noticed we have uh, extra special someone in addition to my regular co-hosts, Matthew Aguilar and Janelle Wheeler. We have Nicole Drum back with us, one of our fantastic comicbook.com writers, uh, one of our powerhouse writers out here. She knows everything. She knows TV. She knows movies. She knows DC. She knows Marvel. And uh, we brought her here because, you know, she, she's been saying some stuff with her chest on Twitter. And I've been very proud. And we wanted to get her in and join this ragtag team of, you know, malcontents, uh, which is what we are. Uh, we have a very positive Marvel podcast, Phase Zero, attached to comic book. But uh, you know what we do here is a little bit more dark and cynical. And today, that's what we're getting into. So, getting so I'm on the wrong right. podcast, aren't I? Dark and cynical. No, no I you mean, provide the necessary light. That's a lie. You you pretend, like Matt, yes. you pretend to provide light. But then you, you turn out to be the hottest. Like, I know, Janelle. Yeah, Janelle's dish some, the bunch. some, some hard yeah. takes, man. Big yeah, big you come in real pepper. Like, yeah, there's, there's been Maybe she's fight. being corrupted. Yeah, you no, I, I think it's just Janelle. I think I just surround myself with secretly <laughs> aggro people dark myself. Yeah, <laughs> dark but, uh, yeah, but it's dark old finally getting to Janelle. Yes. Yeah, and you guys are not it because, uh, you know, I hear something up in the sky and kind of flying in real quick, coming with some aerial maneuvers. We're bringing in a hot shot himself. Let's get him in here. Mr. Chris Killian is with us today. Oh, what's up? How you guys doing? <laughs> that is probably the best reveal we've ever had on this show. Congratulations, sir. We need yeah. some text. Mr. Chris Killian is with us, and he, if you're watching this video like you should be, is feeling the need for speed. He has been our inside man who has been out to go see Paramount's new movie, Top Gun Maverick. Tom Cruise is coming back with the iconic Top Gun franchise and character, and from what we hear, Chris, this has actually turned out to be a really good legacy sequel. And Mr. Chris Killian was out. He did. I mean, he's seen it. He has opinions he's about to share with you guys. And he got to talk with the man himself, which we're going to share with you. So, Chris, take it away. Top yeah, Gun Maverick. You, should people be out in theaters? Say what? That should people be out in theaters for this one? Oh, 100% should be out in theaters. You have to watch this on the biggest screen you can find. Now, as you can tell, I'm wearing my aviators. You probably thought that was because of Top Gun Maverick, but it's actually because I'm best friends with Tom Cruise now. So I don't like people to look me directly in the eyes, but... I feel like I, uh, you've been like this since you got to comic book, though. I don't. I remember distinctly not being able to look at you and having to stare at a lot of your shoes when you walk through the office. It's in my writer. Yeah, I had that in my contract. I get really upset when people look at me 
directly in my in my line of vision. But uh, no, no, it's uh, Top Gun Maverick's amazing. It's uh, you know the legacy sequels are kind of weird, right? Because there's some of them they they that are pretty good, and then they're you know more often than not they're awful. And uh, Top Gun Maverick is not one of those. It's probably the best legacy sequel that there that I've seen up to this point. Um, I, I, I and it feels so weird to say this, but I I genuinely think it might be better than the original. Like, wow. like that's a huge, I know that's a huge compliment. Granted, watching it with Tom Cruise might, you know, that, right. that yeah, could, the, yeah. That Are those rose tinted No, But I saw it, I saw it before that I've seen it twice now and it is, uh, it's not, a, it's not quite as quotable. The soundtrack's not as good. It was, the soundtrack was never going to be better than the original, but as a movie, it, it, the film sequences are incredible. It hits all the notes that you need a Top Gun uh, movie to hit. I think it's it, it's probably even more uh, dramatic than the first one. It's just fantastic. I mean, it's really it's really solid. You can tell that a lot of care and effort went into it. And then when, when you even talk to the junket, right? When you go to the junket or the red carpet, you talk to the cast. I mean, there's always this energy, like like they know if they're in a bad movie, right? You know, like it's always weird when you have to talk to people and you kind of know that the movie's not great or it's not going to do well, but that was not the case here. Like everybody was so excited to talk about it. Everybody was in the best mood possible. I, I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's a, it's an awesome movie. I cannot sing its praises enough. Awesome. And I always have, you know, confidence that Tom is going to deliver because that man, uh, like he obsessively at the core of his being delivering awesome movie stuff is who he is. How about the new cast? Can we have some faith in the new cast? Because there's a whole new generation of pilots we got to follow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Miles Teller is like a spitting image uh, of Goose. I mean, he really does look like like he could be a son. Like they did a great job making him look uh, the part. Uh, the rest of the cast are everybody's awesome. I mean, you know, it, it's it's so fun to see Val Kilmer again. I mean, I've missed that guy on screen and, and, uh, you know, his cameo is, uh, it's, I don't want to give any spoilers, but it's great. So, uh, I'm trying to be very careful about what I give away because we're still a few, uh, you know, weeks away or whatever, but it's, uh, everybody, everybody's awesome. Everybody, everybody delivers. It, the only thing that's a little weird, it was a little weird for me is like Jennifer Connelly to me was like sort of out of nowhere as the love interest. But then I realized that and I didn't know this when I first watched it, but I realized after the fact that she's actually the 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 daughter. There's a, there's a there's a scene in the first movie where they um, they kind of hint that Tom Cruise has had a relationship with one of the admiral's daughters, and he got in trouble for it or whatever in the first movie. And and she's that she's that character. Uh, that they I love it, and I, and a lot cool. of people don't know that, but that made it like oh, that's cool. That's, that's a deep cool. cut. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I thank you for that. telling me because I would have never gone back and figured that out. So thank you. That's yeah. Cool. But uh, but everybody's funny. great, you know. It's it's. I mean, they really they really spend a lot of time uh, on this movie, and uh, I, I mean, the fact that everything is practically done is just insane in today's day and age. And I even talked to the the director about you know what sequences like were there any sequences that he thought they legitimately like might not be able to pull off, and there is a specific sequence in there that he uh, that he he told me that like they had to get special permission from the Pentagon to fly like a hundred feet above above ground and stuff. Wow. Like that. I mean, it, it's, it's insane how, how, how low they get these, uh, these planes in some of the scenes. I mean, it's, it's awesome. 
I feel like Tom, like Tom Cruise literally goes out there and he's like, rules? There are no rules. We're making movies. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, just society means nothing to him. All right. <laughs> so that's great. Um, thank you, Chris Killian, for kind of coming in and then breaking down uh, Top Gun. Maverick gets <clears throat> out in theaters. I believe right now it comes out today. Yes. I believe. Uh, does, no, I, uh, no, it doesn't come out oh, today. Yeah, no. that, I think it comes out. I thought it came out like the 27th. Oh man, I'm way early. I have no idea. Hold on a second. You know what? I'm looking at it right now. Let's let's. Because if it came out today, where I'd be right now. (laughs) I think it's uh. You were way too early to be booked on May 24th. May 24th. Well, the review the review embargo's up, so there's yeah. No, I'm just kidding. The hype is real. (laughs) Hype is real. We wanted to get everything out there to let people know this is real, (laughs) legit. And uh, I mean, like I said, I teased. It it gets better than this. You got to stand out all day on an aircraft carrier, risk life and limb, and but you did get to talk to Tom Cruise, which is pretty much the requisite if you ever want to talk to Tom Cruise. So not only let's run that if we have it loaded up. I'm sorry. Go ahead, run it. No, 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 no. no, It's okay. It's okay. We can talk after. Let's let's okay. Seeing Maverick back is incredible, and now in your career, you've only replayed three characters. Is there any other characters from your epic career that you would be interested in possibly revisiting? I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know. Right now, I mean, I did uh, Les Grossman for the MTV Awards. You know, I did Les Grossman, you know. (laughs) I had to say, please, Les Grossman. uh, We'll have to see, you know, that could be fun. I really don't know at this moment. I'm a... I'm just kind of enjoying this night and I got to finish mission. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm enjoying this night. I'm going to put all my mission stuff away for a moment to just breathe tonight. Yeah. Thank you so much. Man, Chris Killian, the timing. You knew when to throw that thank you in there. You, you're a true pro out there, bro. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thanks. And Not how, only, how, I, it's just so crazy. Tom Cruise just slides into that Wes Grossman bounce like, like it's nothing. <laughs> Oh, it was, it was, I wanted more. As soon as he started, I was like, please just do a spin for me, anything. But uh, it was great. What you didn't see in that footage was I shook his hand before I talked to him and he shook my hand afterwards. And I still haven't washed this hand. I mean, it's still <laughs> like, I don't want to be gross, but I was in, you know, I was in the airport Dude, flying. So only you're the one who gave everybody hand. COVID. You're <laughs> <laughs> zero. No, no, no. We I didn't see it. Oh, Omicron didn't Maverick. We know where it don't started. Don't pin that on me. Don't you pin that on me. I feel great. <laughs> Omicron Maverick variant starts here. All right. I feel uh, great. I have been, now that I'm friends with Tom, he's actually invited me into his hy- hyperbaric chamber. Where you know I I have okay. cured all the COVID. I have nothing. I am I <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chris Killian. Oh man, that's awesome. Thank you for uh, dropping in and give us an early review of Top Gun. We forgot to work this out before the show, but are you sticking around or do you have to uh, jet right now? You, no, problem. you know what? I I well, I appreciate you saying jet like that. I have to say, I w- I'm happy to stick around for a few more minutes. If you guys are about to bash on Multiverse of Madness, we are. We very much are. I, so you I have get in on this? I have thoughts. I'll get in on it. Why not? Oh, man. It's turning into a gang. Yes. You're like the, yes. the beginning of the Batman. All we need is some face paint. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Except the guy on the train is now Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, today's hot debate topic uh, is going to be also, yeah, May. We confirmed it's May 27th or early access, May 24th. Full access May 27th, Top Gun Maverick. Let's talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Did this movie really do Scarlet Witch dirty and kind of ruin this character? Um, me and Matt in our secret chamber of conversation, Janelle Wheeler, 
hadn't seen Multiverse of Madness I yet. I ran away. Has it only been a week? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's only like, been it a week. feels like a lifetime. <laughs> wow. But yes, it's been only a week. But um, yeah, we were talking about this. And we asked Nicole here today because she was really passionate about this. Like I said, um, yeah, it just feels like this movie and Matt and I kind of had been talking about this on the podcast for a year was this big opportunity to do something different with Scarlet Witch, right? Was to do something because there was a way to kind of, I feel like take what was done in the comics, but examine it with, from a new angle based on the kind of depth and complexity that we got from particularly WandaVision, right? And something that the comics in some ways had never done for Scarlet Witch. And we were all amazed when WandaVision came out. And I feel like Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness kind of fumbled the bag on this. But that's just my introductory point. That's the grenade in the room. How do you guys feel? Nicole, let's jump to you as our uh, special guest. Go off. Uh, I know you've been waiting. The bag is putting it mildly. And I want to preface this by saying that Elizabeth Olsen did an absolutely phenomenal job. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. I, yeah let's put this on the side. Regardless right of whatever I think about the way the movie treated the character, she knocked it out of the park. Amazing. And also, a secondary note, what they did to Wanda also does not serve Strange. It, it fails multiple characters, but it really fails Wanda. And like you said, they had a real opportunity, especially after WandaVision, to take what I think is one of the most misunderstood, but also most badly handled stories in Marvel with Wanda and give it depth and meaning because WandaVision did this beautiful exploration of trauma. We get finally to understand what she did. We understand why she did it. Um, we get her to this place where she is at roughly where we would see her kind of reflecting and kind of have an opportunity to move forward with some healing. And people have been all on my about the whole um, post-credit scene from WandaVision, but the dark hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Um, WandaVision basically gave us this perfect place to put her on a path towards something bigger and better with a little more nuance. And then Multiverse of Madness comes up and is like, what if we did WandaVision with less nuance, but dial it to 11? And to me, it just felt like they leaned into every weak, negative possible trope that you can do for a woman with power and just was like, oh, look, women with power can't handle it. And we're going to disregard all of the work that she did and just have her go full bonkers. And then on top of that, we're going to have her do the, oh, God, what have I done sacrifice? And that's just terrible storytelling. And it doesn't leave any nuance for this character. It's repeating all of the same, you know, things. It's like, oh, look, powerful woman must be villain. And those lines about mother, the fact that they tried to frame it with motherhood. And as soon as they said that line about all mothers making the rabies out of magic, the woman in the theater next to me literally looked at her kid and said, you were made out of nine months of hell and 36 hours of labor. <laughs> and I was like, can I buy you a drink? Because Life got real for that kid, the truth? Day. And Amazing. she is like mumbling under her breath. A man wrote that line, <laughs> and I was like, awesome. "Probably," <laughs> but but it's true. It's like they they frame this character. It's almost like they don't know what to do with her. They don't know what to do with a character who is more than, you know, more than just good or bad. And at the same time, they set this story up almost as a way to we're going to have Wanda break bad because we need a bad guy. There's a Wanda could have still done bad things because of the dark hole, but they didn't have to jump directly to that. And they didn't have to do it this way. And the thing that really, really, really sticks like right here for me 
is they basically burned this character in furtherance of a male character whose entire character arc of growth is couldn't get over his ex-girlfriend. What the crap? And it's like his entire story arc is he can't get over his girlfriend and can't learn to let other people help. So we get this nod of at the end, he has this heartfelt chat ish, if you can call it that. And then he lets the other female character who, while I love America and I love the actress and I love everything like that was so cool. They just kind of gave her the token. You saw it at the end and somehow strange is still going the praise. And on top of that, it just annoys me how all this time Wanda from the minute we've met her has really could have used a friend. She could have used a mentor. She could have used some support. And instead all the Avengers and I'm, I'm putting this specifically on strange because he is the one who has magic. He is the one who's best suited to be her ally. No one comes to help her. No one comes to ask her if she needs anything, but the second he needs something, he's knocking on her door. Yeah, that was my big thing. And Matt and I had said really? on the podcast that like we really were hoping that this was about Strange and Wanda kind of teaming up and helping each other and kind of making a, a connection as friends. But um, Chris, you stay behind for this. So I want to give you a chance to go off too. Well, I don't want to get into the gender specific tropes of it because I don't feel like that's really my place to talk about. But I, I my thought on it is is simply that like, there are certain plot holes that bugged me about the movie. And, and anytime you're going to have a multiverse movie, you're going to have plot holes. I mean, that's just, that's just the, the, the nature of it. But, but I did, I did think that like the, the extreme that Wanda goes to in order to be with her kids again, you know, when she acknowledges that her children are not real, like Dr. Strange tells her like your children aren't real. And she's like, I know that, but I still want to be with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt very much like, well, if you're willing to like kill a teenage girl kill your own variant or possess your variant and, and or kill, I essentially kill her and take her place. And then, uh, and, and then be with these kids. you like a, a, at the, at the risk of, of, of destroying all of the universes in existence, you know, why don't you just make your kids again? Like, and yeah. I'm not saying like birth your, like birth new kids. I'm saying make the exact same kids because you're powerful enough to clearly do that. Now, the short answer to that is we wouldn't have a movie. So you know, that's, you know, that it is what it is. But the other big thing that stuck out for me is that like, there were, you know, there was no vision here at all. Like there was barely a mention of him, but the fact that like in all of the multiverses, like you couldn't, it, it's like all of the, the ideal places were her playing single mom, but not having the entire yeah. family back together, which I thought was a strange thing. So I kept thinking for like, like, like vision's going to have to show up at the end and there's going to be some sort of, you know, maybe he's the one that kind of pulls her back from the dark hold and makes her real, but, but it, it wasn't like that. There was just no mention of vision. And that kind of felt like a very obvious uh, uh, um, absence to me. I, it just, mm-hmm. I felt like where, where is this guy? I mean, cause we know he's still alive floating out there and, uh, and, and also to, to act like he's not existing in any of the multiverses. Is, it, it was a strange uh, uh no pun intended it was a it was a weird call for me so there. <laughs> yeah 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 so so i think that uh that that's pretty much my big hang up with the movie is that like some of it you know that's where it was ringing false for me because I, you know i just know how i mean she talks about how traumatized she was by having to kill vision but you know she she never you know she never yeah. tried to find him also in another you know in another form of this 
all of these multiverses. I, that just that was mm -hmm. weird to me. That's all. Yeah, it, and, it is and, weird. And it stuck out. It is yeah. weird because Wanda Wanda's whole thing isn't even about. If you go back to her initial trauma, it's about losing her family. It's about losing yeah. her parents. It's about losing her brother. Wanda would not go into mess up a multiverse just to go get her kids. She would want her whole family back. She would want to feel yeah. whole and complete because that's the hole that's inside of her. That's right. what she's been trying to recreate since the moment we've met her. Right. And, and I mean, especially when the really? kids are such a dynamic of mm -hmm. like her relationship with vision, like that she only yeah. created them to kind of facilitate that relationship and make exactly. it feel, you know, like, like, so vision is really to me at the heart of what Wanda cares about. Yeah. Um, and, and so to not have him, take more you know be be uh, a little more front and center and i could and, and you know it could have been explained away with a simple yeah. line because you know when you when you propose these questions you know with plot holes you know everybody's always going to be like well vision would have talked her out of it or vision would have well, right. well no not necessarily no. like <laughs> if, if she could have you know had her kids play dumb and never know that she took over the variant you know she could have very well done that to a multiverse version of vision as well but, it, you know, but all it needs is a line to explain why. But there was no there was nothing. So, yeah. you know, if you don't have have some throwaway line that explains why she's not concerned about finding vision, well, then we're just left to figure it out on our own. And that's yeah. what makes it a plot hole. We need to get Janelle in here. Yeah, I want yeah, to. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, I also just want to. There's something I want to address in the comments, though, which is uh, somebody just asked, did they see the end of WandaVision? The answer is no. Sam Raimi has publicly no. said he did not watch WandaVision. So I think that, that links fun. back to some other points that were in the comments earlier, which is, I don't think while we are kind of focused on the dynamics of writing this female character, I don't think we're coming at it as a, you know, a feminine rights perspective. Oh, I think no. we're all coming at it as just, a, you know, we can make this simple. This is just a writing conversation. We yeah. are all people who write here and we are talking about writing, right? So that's, we can just make this an easy frame. We're talking about a writing of a character in a franchise that invests a lot of time and screen time developing these characters. So the question is, where has this character gone in this movie? Is it forwards according to the logic of all the other content we've seen before this? Or did we take some kind of weird left turn into generic bad guy land, which is what I think a lot of us are saying. It's just doesn't feel like an honest progression of Wanda's character or the work that Elizabeth Olsen had, did with, had, had done with this character to get us to this point, it feels weird for all the reasons Chris just pointed out too, from yeah. like the character motivation reasons, like how is she not caring about Viz and her whole family? That's what she wanted in WandaVision. She didn't just burn away Viz and be like, man, F you keep these kids. Like, you know, she wanted the whole thing. So like, again, her seeking out just the kids for these weird aggravated mommy reasons, it's, it's, not true to the character we met. <laughs> well, and also like, to the issue of the feminist question, the reason like feminist issues come into this is because she's a female character. Of course, there are going to be aspects of that character that would only apply to her because she is, you know, presented as female. Like you can't have a motherhood issue necessarily, like what they're trying to latch onto that character thrown on the male character because you know oh, it's gonna know. be a Let different me dynamic. All motherhood issues in this movie. No, I mean parenthood <laughs> issues are what they are, but you know yeah. what they made specifically about moms and that's why i'm not trying to make this a feminist versus dudes issue because i've got complaints about marvel for the way they treat their dudes too um but for me that you know as a mom i saw that and went nope 
Like, oh, on Mother's Day weekend, which is which great, segue, weekend. great segue to Janelle, who we sent unsuspecting into this for <laughs> Mother's Day weekend. How'd that my, go? My birthday is on Mother's Day. And so I went to go see the movie for my birthday. Um, but I, I'm just going to be really honest. I went in with strange like worries. I was really, really worried about is this going to be his movie? Is Wanda? I've, I had already heard that it was Wanda's movie. And I was, I, I've already been very frustrated with the depiction of Strange in the MCU because I don't think he's likable or honorable or any of the things that like I love about him in the comics. So I went in and I felt really rewarded, like, because that was my focus. So I was like, oh, I finally like Strange because <laughs> he has some kind of a heart. Like, he's heartbroken about Christine and he, like, helps America and he, like, does the righteous thing for once, even though that's what his whole character is, like, built upon. And he's not a jerk to a kid. Um, like he is with Spider-Man. That's why I can't stand No Way Home. I literally can't watch No Way Home because of the way that Strange is in that movie. Um, and so anyways, yeah. So my perspective was not influenced by Wanda stuff at all. I love her, but not, not close to Strange. Um, and so I did not even think of this perspective until it was on our podcast, like this is what we're duking it out about today. And I went, Oh snap. And so I kind of just took a moment to reflect because I was just more like, dude, she's a badass. Like she's so strong. She's so powerful. Like she can do, she's crazy. And I like that. Like, I'm like, she's evil and like powerful. And like, he admits that she's stronger than, you know, than even he is like, I, I just, I was just pumped about, I like evil. I love villains. I'm a villain. I always lean towards villains. So whenever I see like a character I already like become villainous and like dark and eerie and stuff, I'm, a, I'm all about it. But now that you've brought this up, I'm like, oh no, like, I guess you're right. And for me, my biggest thing that I hated with Wanda was that we didn't get white vision at least because that was one of my most exciting moments about Wanda vision was white vision jumping in and being like, what's up? Okay, I'm out. And he just flies off into the distance. We have no idea where he is. And like, it would have been so cool like to have some sort of white vision interaction. Like, you know, even if he doesn't exist in other multiverses, like just, he does exist in this one. We know when it. You say white vision is making me slightly uncomfortable. Let's move Wait, on. is that is that what we call it? Yes. Maybe. No, I'm just joking with you. White vision. <laughs> I love white vision, though. He's so cool. There's no brown vision. Let's yeah. get on that, Marvel. Come on. Well, um, on that note, I probably vision. should get back. <laughs> I ran Cruz off. <laughs> scared him away. <laughs> Thanks to Chris Killian for dropping in. He's got stuff to do, but uh, we thank him for kind of helping us out on this one. Um, yeah, it's a good place to drop out. Now that Matt took the baton and threw it there, what, what do you guys say for yourself? Have you seen? Uh, yeah, what do you? How do you feel in a week later? Um, so one, I just love. By the way, uh, the conversation we have had so far, I think this is like what this show does so well, and I just adore it. So like this conversation, this conversation has been everything. So I just wanted to throw that appreciation out there. Um, second, I will say I think all of you make really good points. And that's why this movie for me is I'm, I'm conflicted. I would say it's probably the bleeding feeling I have because I, I didn't hate it. I really enjoyed aspects of this movie. And then there was other aspects that like, you know, drive me crazy. Um, 
I, I will say I'm still kind of conflicted on it, but at least I have a more of an idea of like why I'm conflicted on it because I was actually having, I've had a couple conversations about this movie with other people, right? As more and more people see it, it's like, oh my God, okay, we can talk, right? So as you're having those conversations, I've had them with people who have like read the comics and, you know, have some longtime fans, some fans who jumped in at like Avengers Disassembled when that really that version of Wanda really kind of went into overdrive, right? And then saw the other stuff that's come after and some who have just watched MCU. So it's just really fascinating because I feel like the people who have read the comics and enjoy the comics as far as when Wanda, like probably from Disassembled on, when that kind of really became a focus and then we move into House of M and all that stuff have a lot more appreciation for this movie if they liked that particular rendition of Wanda. Like if they were really, if they gravitated towards that and that was kind of their first real impression of the character because before that, the character is is iconic without a lot of identifiable reasons why early on in her career. <laughs> in her comics career, that character is the focal point and you can point out some really great stories but you're going to be hard pressed because again, it was a lot of mixed editorial and it was a lot of writers doing a lot of different stuff. And it was always just like, I'm troubled. And it was kind of like the Jean Grey thing of like, you know, you, you know, like one feeling and for a long time, that's all you focused on. And then finally people were like, we can do a lot more with this character and broke out of that box. To me, that was kind of Wanda's early career. So those people who kind of identify with this one era in the comics seem to enjoy this movie a lot more. And those that don't, or those that kind of have a little bit of a wider scope, I find the issues. And I, and I understand both. Like I understand both points of view. Um, for me, it's just about the biggest problem I've had with the MCU to this point is consequences. And it's something mm. that only serves the plot. It never feels consistent. It's always, well, we need this. We need Tony to like, like we need the Tony Winter Soldier thing to really feel like it has consequences because we need civil war to happen. That's why that feels that way. And it's great because they work that in, but that should be the thing across the board and it doesn't feel consistent. And that's why I feel like Multiverse of Madness or In Madness, whatever it's called. <laughs> I always say them wrong every single time. So this movie goes back and forth. And just like to me, I had issues with WandaVision doing this. I've had issues with other Disney plush Marvel shows of like, okay, you've shown us how bad things can get and how good things can get, but you never give us a stable line of what is acceptable by society, what is acceptable by other people. It's always just depends and it doesn't ever feel like I can grasp onto that. And Madness does the same thing with Strange, like Strange is being held accountable. And then at other times it feels like he's just given the keys to the kingdom, like eh, do whatever you want. It, it never, same way with Wanda, it feels, it always feels all over the place. So I just need something to ground onto and here the dark hold as a MacGuffin doesn't is not properly established to me enough to let that be the out clause. We've seen yeah. this, right? Everyone's forgiven Hawkeye for turning on everybody <laughs> in Avengers, right? Because that was a firmly like planted, like, Hey, he's being controlled. It's not him. And they make sure to reiterate that multiple times, right? Like there's always this thing. And so you forgive him for that. That's why Endgame doesn't make any sense because he went and killed a bunch of people and there were no consequences for that other than his own yeah. damn guilt. That doesn't work for me, right? So this is my problem with, with Wanda. How mm -hmm. at the end of WandaVision, 
there's not really any consequences other than her own, own internal stuff. That's fine. Right. But I need like the real world to react to someone taking control of a damn town for how long, right? And like putting these people in just through hell. Same thing here. It doesn't, it's like the, the impacts don't hit because there doesn't feel like there's, she's going to, she's killed all these people. <laughs> and I didn't feel like we had to yeah. push her there yet. If you want to go that way all out, so be it. But then, then okay, then lean into it more. It feels like we're in this weird middle space. Yeah, and I yeah. Feel like they like, picked that, that was my problem it's, too. Like, yeah, it's I like they didn't like, pick a page. <laughs> yeah, Wanda was powerful enough, and I've made this argument other places that she could have hurt all these people, and you could have made this scary. Uh, she's plenty scary. She can get inside people's heads. That one sequence at the Battle of Carmitage is really oh, great. Oh God, that was. And she makes that guy run. Like you could have done that. She and then. But it's just Sam Raimi, so he just wants her to obliterate people into red dust. And it's like, that's the part I didn't buy. Mm-hmm. I think Wanda could have been just as angry, just as furious, but still be Wanda enough and give us enough leeway to say, yeah, she just messed up a whole fortress full of sorcerers, broke some bones, slammed people into walls, got inside their heads and have them drooling on themselves and, you know, all that stuff. But she's still like, and then when she delivers a line, like, I am being reasonable, like that makes, that, that feels a lot better. It makes the character more complex and not just murderous and and there's a lot that could be done here but i feel like we're starting to go in circles and we got to pay some bills so if anybody has any final thoughts let's get them out and uh yeah because i don't think we've swayed anybody and just for the comments uh yeah we're talking spoilers it's a week later marvel studios has officially dropped the spoiler ban on this when Marvel says it, and we titled this in a way that should probably tell you we're going to be talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, was I don't say, know the what title else to do does. Yeah. The, the Doctor Strange two ruins Harlow Witch. Yeah. I do feel like that gives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that feels like a dead giveaway. But I'm sorry if anybody was spoiled, but you'll still enjoy. You'll still get something out of the movie, even if you know what's going on. Yeah, but um, all right. So, uh, is everybody are we good? Can we uh, take a break? Because uh, I still we'll really back. liked the movie. It's in I, my top five. Okay, let's go around real quick. Movie. Where does everybody put it? Um, I I think yeah, Doctor Strange is in the middle for me. I think it's in the middle. I think Marvel has always had a sequel problem. I think the only franchise that's been immune to the sequel problem has been Captain America so far. That's the only one to come up in its sequel. I can't think of very many others where the number two movie is like one of my favorites. So, uh, I mean, this is, this is the usual growing pains because the sequel movies of these franchises usually have to do a double job of trying to build and trying to set up something bigger. Even Thor, the dark world was like infinity stones, you know, like, so <laughs> there's always something going on in the sequel. So this was pretty much on par. So I got it in the middle of my stack. How about you guys? I would say low middle for me. Um, it, it's not going to be a top tier thing. I will go back to it again at some point. I probably will go back to the theater because admittedly I did, I, I did love watching Scarlet, Witch just burn it all down on the big screen. I mean, that was a glorious moment. I can't me even too. pretend otherwise. I enjoyed it so much. Oh yeah. Visually, yeah no problems. It's, it's definitely, cool. which I got through watching it and you know, now it's kind of, you know, low middle, definitely setting You can tell they're setting up for more. And when you go into it, that it, it's okay. It's okay. It's good for what it is. Jay. <laughs> I literally put this above Endgame for me, but what? it's in my top five. It's number three. Yeah. There you go, man. Wow. All right. All right. I love, it. With your chest. I love I like Strange. It. I love all the characters. I, I, 
swear to God, I just did not have ill intent with the Wanda stuff. I just didn't think of it. I was just engrossed. <laughs> you in, don't like, have to. We're not here to stuff. indoctrinate anybody. So <laughs> yeah. that's why they brought me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> be bad. Matt and uh, finally Matt. Um, ah, man, this is, I always have a hard time with these <laughs> ranking things, but I will say probably I will say middle, but middle like top half of my middle. Um, okay. All right. Probably somewhere in there. If I had to, there's just too many now. I got to like have a list and a sheet. There are. <laughs> yeah. there are I, so I don't many. even know what my top 10 are on any given day. Like it's yeah. just like, I can't. I it's crazy. All right. We're going to take a break. But uh, in the comments again, guys, like, yes, last week we said we, <laughs> we purposefully broke the Doctor Strange talk last week into spoiler free impressions mm-hmm. at the top of the show. <laughs> And then even Janelle got a chance to I leave literally the got room to walk out before the- <laughs> we even started talking about spoilers. So I don't know what else to do. I have to create a show for this live stream and for a Sunday morning live stream and for a podcast that has to live for a week. I got a lot of masters to serve. I asked when we come Twitch back, we'll show you okay. how we do it. Okay. They said 45 days. I'm like, no. No, <laughs> the age of the internet that is not realistic. I am so sorry. But we're going to be out here. Yeah, wait, wait till it's on Disney Plus. Everybody chill. We're going to be back. Comic Book Nation. <laughs> Stick around if you want. <laughs> to our producer Peter for producing this great art and for dropping uh, some awesome comments in the thing. Yeah. If you didn't want to be spoiled about Dr. Strange, our, our work this week is not for you because uh, yeah. Spoilers. Uh, all right. So, uh, you know, we went so in on that, that uh, we, I forgot the positive part. So in a quick sentence, what do you guys want to see for the future of the Scarlet Witch slash Wanda in the MCU? Um, you know, funny enough, Lizzie Olsen, we had a, you know, when I worked for the other site, we did an interview with her where she, I shared it with Nicole, where she actually said she would really love to do this storyline that we got in Doctor Strange 2. Um, but kind of building off that, because she also said like House of M and stuff, I would love to see, you know, maybe this variant of Wanda be done if she's dead and us deal with the one that kind of comes from an X-Men related universe where she is a mutant and we get that version of Wanda and, you know, she's a mutant and proud and embracing full control of her powers. And we just get a completely new, let's start fresh with a new variant of Wanda that becomes our Wanda. So that's my take. What do you guys say in a sentence? I personally will take almost any Wanda Scarlet Witch story going forward because I love, I love this character so much. And I've even told you this, Kobe, like I, I spent a lot of time doing like academic research about this character back in, you know, college and grad school. Um, for me, I think they've set up really beautifully for a, a MCU variant of um, the children's crusade. And I would be willing to accept that because of the characters that brings us. But um, Lizzie Olsen herself has even mentioned, um, which is road. And if they were to keep this particular version of her, I think that could be a cool story to explore. But to be perfectly honest, as long as they keep the character for me, I'll take anything they offer and probably be big mad about it. So are we talking like an Agatha team up situation? Is that what that is? Honestly, I would I would watch the crap out of that. Me too. <laughs> like, oh my I God. would love that. I would love to see. I don't want this Wanda to go away. I mean, my that was the first and most concerning moment when the film ended. I looked over and I'm like, she's not gone though, right? Like she survived that somehow. Like I freaked well, out. Um, one of our artists, Jenna Anderson, actually wrote a piece about how this could lead to the Children's Crusade. It made a pretty good case for this Wanda theoretically they could 
could angle it to where she's not actually gone. And wow. she made some pretty good points. And that's, that's up on um, cloud.com. And you really should check it out um, because it's not something I had really thought of. Cause I had the same thing of they killed my girl. What? Yeah. Um, but then she brought that up. I'm like, Oh, that's a good point. And it opens up a lot of other doors. So check that out. If you haven't so had that's a chance. What I want. To. Yeah. I want an mm. Agatha and Wanda team up. All right, Matt. So we can move on. What do you want? Uh, I mean, I just, I, I perfect. Well, if we're going to get a children's crusade, I'm good with that. If that's, <laughs> if right. that's what go, we go next. I'm good. I just want, I'm like Nicole. I want live. Like I want Olsen. I love her. Right. Uh, so I don't believe I'm still saying this, but guys, yes, the show used to be on Wednesdays. So when movies came out, we'd have to wait till the following Wednesday <laughs> Wait, to what? talk about them. That's why it seems oh, like we used to wait longer. Oh, now the show's on Fridays, which is a whole different program. <laughs> you got to. You got to. Okay. Shout out to Nick Floyd in the comments, uh, one of our wonderful uh, producers and, tech- and kind of like engineers, technicians, video editors. Nick Floyd's in the comments. So uh, shout out to him too. He's uh, let's best. talk about something we can all change gears and talk about something that launched this week. I know headlines were made. There's a new king of podcasting. And it isn't Comic Book Nation, but uh, it is something we all listen to. And we are going to talk about now, which is Batman Unburied, uh, the Spotify original, Spotify, Janelle, original <laughs> podcast series. I was trying to find it on Apple. I'm like, guys, where is this? <laughs> is out. And we just thought, you know, in case long. you guys didn't know, this is a new Batman themed podcast. And it is now it shot up to number one. DC fans, you guys are off the chain. <laughs> you made this thing go number one right off the bat. But are you still happy that you did so? So let's talk about that. Uh, Matt, this was your idea. So you get in the hot seat and uh, it talk was? about your impression. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, that was almost an evil laugh, Matt. <laughs> wow. Okay. Whoa. I mean, here's the thing, though. I love this. Like, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts like all day, like even like when I'm not listening to ours. But like, mm-hmm. I listen to like everything, right? So I did make a mistake. That the first episode, when you listen to the first episode, there's some kind of grisly stuff that happens in the first episode, and the sound effects are yeah. very off putting. And so I was like eating, and I was like working and eating and listening to this at the same time. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's like this like crunching stuff and like some really stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh god, like I had to stop. I can't remember what I was eating, but it was, was off putting. Yeah, it, how, it's, it's not one to have okay, It's called Batman. For unburied right it's not like it didn't hide its intentions either but i love this um i'm always game for new takes on batman we cover a lot of batman on the show a lot of different takes of batman on the show this is yet another one i it took a minute for me i will probably say first episode is very much a slow burn very much so and in fact it didn't really click for me until episode two and three when the barbara gordon of it all kind of really starts to like, you know, cause like that's, that's what initially sold me on, on this podcast was reading the description. It's like, Barbara Gordon is going to detect Barbara Gordon. I was like, I'm in, doesn't matter. I'm like Nicole, when it's gone, I will, I, it might be bad. I'm going to, I'm going to at least give it a shot. Right. So once we start getting further into that though, and away from just all the Bruce of it, I, I really, I really enjoy it. And also this voice cast. Oh God. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, Hassan Minhaj as Nigma is like I never would have thought that, but like, oh, it's genius! So, it's genius it's little so casting good. for that. Yeah, and Gina Rodriguez, Barbara Gordon. Like again, I'm all about like let's let's keep that Latin explosion moving in DC. I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy. I have a camper man. See, so, yeah, I dug this. Matt's again, agenda. I do think 
I do think you should give it at least two episodes. Though, yeah, agree. It's just it might it might not it, hook. It needs at least two. Yeah, it's a slow burn. Um, I guess I'll segue and say, yeah, it's a slow burn for sure. You have to kind of and you have and I think people should read the premise before they jump in, mm-hmm. which is that this is not like your typical. This is a complete reimagining of mm-hmm. Batman and his world and where we find Bruce Wayne. Uh, like yeah he's a forensic pathologist he works on dead bodies his parents are alive like he interacts with them and so it's a very different take on it so just know that going in but if you like like old radio serials and stuff like that if you're a person who was ever a fan of that brand of you know entertainment and content then this is definitely up your alley because this is it's a new podcast, but it's also produced very much like an old radio serial with the sound effects and the, and the voice cast and the kind of pulpy 1930s serial feel to like the, you know, everything, but with a modern edge. So, yeah, it, it, you, but it, once it gets warmed up and you get past the initial just shock of having to get into the world building of this through uh, audio version, like it, it is... It is an interesting thing and it does become absorbing and the voice cast does do a good job of putting on an actual vocal play that becomes absorbing to you. And there are real creepy things like when the killer gets involved and I think it clicked for me in the scene. uh, I think it's near the end of the first episode where the killer, uh, you know, the Waynes encounter the killer in a very personal, straightforward way. And it almost felt like Luther or something else, like a great, kind of serial killer movie uh and it almost or the like the batman or something like and so i was just like ooh, and i sat up and that made me kind of take notice but um yeah it won't be for everybody let's be clear and let's be honest like this won't yeah. be for everybody but if you're a dc fan and you're looking for s- some other way to get into your kind of dc universe content this is a good way to get into it it's not it's not bad and if you're like on a drive or something it's a good thing to listen to oh, don't yeah. do it at we'll night be keeping tabs don't do it at night though as new episodes come out do we uh, have to? Oh, oh, my God. Perfect Janelle. segue. All right. So what did you think, Janelle? Secret, yeah, positivity and light of the show. Let's go, Janelle. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm finally going to keep it real. I am so over freaking Batman. I'm so over it. I, I'm, it is taking everything Amazing. in me to be like not super negative. And I know I was like, I'm the positive one. No, nope, <laughs> no, nope, now I'm, now I'm not. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so oh tired of Batman. So like good. there's gotta be more to DC. Like there's gotta be more than literally recreating an entire Batman and his parents, be, like all these things that like is not typically, but I'm just so over it. And I woke up. I had a nice meditation. I was having a lovely coffee with my dog. I did some yoga and stretching. And then I turned this on and it literally ruined my day. Like it, it is so intense and it is brutal. And the sound effects are a lot. And, and it's just like, I miss like superhero. Like I really, really want like, I, I want Wonder Woman. Like I want... Superman like I'm just over this dark 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 stuff like personally speaking that's a me thing that's not an everybody thing but personally I am just like this I'm I'm over it like this is just too heavy oh Janelle you're you set yourself up so uh, well does that mean you're over the Joker kind of yeah no, I literally said that to my well, fiance. I'm glad like, we okay. have these week's wow. comics to go over. Yeah. I know. I was literally like, wow. Yeah. I'm I'm just like ready. I just I like even with our weekly comics, I'm like, can we please just not have another Batman? Like, can yeah. we please just like dive into some of these other DC 
roles that I don't know anything about because there's it's there's so many other things to explore and I just like they are just so obsessed and consumed with Batman. Yo, you sound like Bruce Tim. You're gonna start chain smoking like him too. I agree with you. Um, and I'm a huge Batman fan. Like everybody knows this. Like I, I live and breathe that wall. Um, love Batman. And I'm also at the point of y- y'all, can we, can we take a Batman break? <laughs> like, <laughs> can we come back to Batman later? Like, cause there are these other great and dynamic characters. And if we have to stay in Gotham, can we do some of the other characters? Because there's some great oh. characters that we're not given the love to. So, so Janelle, crush the spirit I actually of, uh... agree Wow, Bruce Wayne twenty five. No, I'm like nervous. Crush. My heart is like pounding because I hate knocking. This is how on I feel about you right now, Batman. Like, thank you. Oh, sorry, Bruce Wayne twenty five. You're still one of our best fans. We're this. not knocking you. We still love you too. We All love right. You. Well, that's Batman Unburied. We got to move on because we're we're kind of strict on time, and I want to give us some time. Um, just a quick mention. So, guys, uh, Halo episode eight. Uh, yes. Master Chief. We saw a side yeah. of Master Chief we never expected to. Master Chief got busy. Mm-hmm. How y'all feel about it? Gamers are losing their minds. <laughs> Master Chief has a girlfriend. No! She's a Covenant spy. No! Yo, yes. Uh, it was uncomfortable for me to watch. I'll be honest with you. Because <laughs> Paolo Schreiber, like Leo Schreiber, his half-brother, is just one of those dudes who's like so massive that like the size differential can... like. I'm sure that actress and him are like very similar in age, but the size differential looking at it, I was just like, yeah, it's making me feel a little uncomfortable. Right. Like, so, it, uh, yeah. So, you know, Master Chief, but Master Chief got busy and um, I'm still loving Halo, though. I'm not going to spend too much time on this episode. I think we're going to really go in uh, next week is the finale. And I think we're going to dedicate a whole lot of time to just talking about this whole experience as a whole, but uh, as a penultimate episode and the fight, a Spartan on Spartan fight was dope though. I gotta say, that was uh, pretty dope. But uh, how are you guys feeling? It felt a little rushed. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> the comment, God, Peter. Both characters had no helmets on and Matt immediately turned the episode off. <laughs> I don't know how this helmet thing got started. Oh my God. I have no oh, idea how this man. got started. Um, um, Okay. Anyways, uh, I I just felt like the love the love connection it feels a little rushed in this for me. So I I'm kind of like, well, if you were actually going to build into them having an, a real type of relationship or chemistry and her having this possible flip from like one side to the other and then a flip back, I just wish they dedicated more time to that because it feels kind of rushed. That's my only criticism. But other than that, it was awesome. Matt, how'd you feel? I agree. I agree with Janelle. I think she nailed down the head. It it did seem like kind of out of left field. I'm like, why, why we, this needs a little more buildup. If you're going to have me kind of suspend disbelief. However, all the other stuff of like him and Kai, like battling the Spartan, that whole fight, the Cortana, finally, like really seeing her kind of push away from Halsey, all that stuff. I eat the show up with a spoon. I love the show, the show. And, and it's a nice bounce back episode from a, probably the weakest episode of the season yeah. in last um, Yeah, you really so. need that armor as a Spartan, huh? Yeah, you really got to have not, that armor. I'm not, I'm not makes it a big difference. Um, yeah, all right, but uh, Halo is on Paramount Plus. <laughs> uh, Halo is on Paramount Plus right now, and uh, yeah, we've been loving the show. Uh, I'm sorry, Nicole, did you, have you been checking I, it out? I just freaking, I freaking love Halo. I am a huge Halo fan. Like, people don't realize that about me. Like, I'm this giant Halo nerd. Um, I and I love the show, but I also agree with Janelle. Again, I, it's yes. It was just, I don't know. I like it. I don't, I love the show. I will go to bat for the show 
but yeah, I agree with everything Janelle said. Like, all right, Janelle, you're winning this episode. Congratulations! Oh I can't believe I'm agreeing with that Janelle this much. Happened. I love Janelle, but I never agree with Janelle. Yeah, this no, much. that's weird. I'm very weirded out. I'm this getting better. Kind of Just week. be proud of me. I'm growing. <laughs> I'm learning before your eyes. <laughs> all right, Matt. So that's Halo. Matt, take us into comics this week because we all have right. some pretty interesting ones. Okay, so uh, the poll winner this week, thank you everyone for voting, is Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood. It's another one of those anthology series from Marvel that I know Kofi loves so much. <laughs> I don't, but I did, but oh this God. one did it, Moon Knight did it right. So, oh! like, Moon Knight did it right, because the Black, White, and Blood thing, the whole theme, if you don't know, is the the... The stories are drawn with the primary colors being black, white, and then red used in some kind of bloody reference, right? And Moon Knight is a character who the black-white dynamic makes so much more sense already thematically. Like you're getting into something that really fits with the character. And the way that they used it in this book was clever and fun. This was physically a fun book to read for me. Uh, You know, we're going to talk spoilers. So like one story that just takes the concept of, you know, black, white, and red and makes it a Spider-Man Moon Knight story, yeah, right? Smart. Like, and, and it's just Spider-Man annoying Moon Knight through, like, trying to get his Mr. Knight suit for some cosplay. And it's stupid, but it's amazing. And it's a fun story of these two odd pair characters, right? Yeah. Um, and He's coming off to get of the, the Moon Knight series, yeah. And <laughs> the backwards sense. story, like, when I finally got to the last story and it was the backwards one, like, I must have read that story at least two or three times just for the pure... <laughs> yeah joy of seeing what happened when i read it bad both ways you know and like was just like oh and that was just amazing and it was almost like holding an interactive puzzle piece so this book actually did something good with it besides being like smelling its own farts and being like we are high art put us on your coffee table like wolverine and all that stuff and like the only weak point was your boy matt okay so here's the thing so Chris, jim hit, so jim hit me up about that all right, so Jim hits me up and goes, dude. And I'm like, here's the thing. I will defend Chris Bacalo with like all my being. Is right. that the first book? Yeah. Okay. It's the first, it's the first book. It that is the sense. weakest of the of the well, okay. Number one, it's got Hickman writing and his artwork. That should be a home run for me. All right. And instead is the weakest story of the whole issue. On top of that, Chris needs colors. All right. Like you, he's got to have colors to help set apart the figures because otherwise, otherwise it starts looking like a mask. Like, I, I was always trying to find Moon Knight's eye because that's how I could judge the whole scene. And I couldn't, <laughs> no, I couldn't understand why there was a red balloon into story until I started reading the story. Up. That, and I was like, my, oh, it's the only thing you can follow in this artwork is where is do. that red balloon? Like, yeah. okay. So I, I'm just saying just one, the future concept thing is actually kind of interesting where she's actually Conchu's like uh, servant and then he's the knight, right? I like the setup. I think that's really interesting. But that just whole thing just did not work for me. And I was so bummed. However, his artwork's amazing and other things. You should go read his stuff that has Moon Knight and Spider-Man in it. It's fantastic, but it has colors. He's got to have colors. Have color. here's, the, here's the thing. I thought the second story is the, by far the best story of this, of this issue because it is literally just him and Spider-Man teaming up and having fun. And Spider-Man's whole ribbing 
of all the Egyptian stuff is hilarious throughout, right? Because he's like, there's a great line that I can't repeat here, uh, but you can go check out Jim Viscardi's Twitter. You can find the, the panel I'm talking about, but he's, Spider-Man's like, so Egyptian stuff, right? Like he keeps saying, he's like, it's not always Egyptian stuff. And then he keeps going, right? And it's just this running gag. That was pure 90s. If you were a Moon Knight fan in the 90s and a Spider-Man fan, he always popped up in Spider-Man books. This was captured that feeling just so perfectly. So I, I love that. The last story, I didn't, li- I liked the uniqueness of it, like having go backwards and stuff. I, it just didn't, it was like, it's okay. I, I thought this was, I've read a lot of these now. This was probably the week, one of the weaker launches of this kind of book. Um, if anyone are actually very opposed in this, the opinion. one that's actually nailed it so far way more than most of the others is, I mean, it's a tie probably between, well, I, I'll say Electra. Actually, Electra's done really well, and I did not see that coming. But that mm. that series has done this format very well. Moon Knight, it was okay. I'm, I'm excited for the other ones because that's the fun of this. Next issue, we're going to get three new stories, three new creative teams, and great. But what do you think, Janelle? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was good. It, it, honestly, the first the first story just really messed me up, and I was really worried because I just, like you said, couldn't see anything. So <laughs> I, I just didn't know what the heck was going on, and I wanted too because i love moon knight and i'm really like on moon knight right now so i was really worried but when i got to the second one i was really excited and like okay okay i get it we're good and i was gonna get hypercritical about it but they definitely recovered (laughs) (laughs) um nicole did you have a chance to to read these i did i did um i'm not a big fan of the the black white and blood books i I had to cover the wolverine one and i was like please please kill me um (laughs) Because for me, it just, that color palette doesn't work for me visually. But I also recently gave myself the task of reading every comic appearance of Moon Knight ahead of the show. And I absolutely loved the story with Spider-Man so freaking much that like that, I just couldn't pretend that the book was in color because I love, I love that story so much. It was such a cool vibe. We'll continue to read like A plus. The first story was not it, but the second, which is perfect. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. Uh, Moving on to the first book of the week uh, from us is Captain America, Symbol of Truth. This is one of the dual launching Cap books. And this one is, of course, Sam Wilson uh, back in the Cap suit uh, with Falcon right next to him. It's It's a fun team up book. I am curious. I mean, this one just essentially is more focused on like Sam. Like to me, the more interesting things here are actually like Sam's personal life and his stuff with Misty Knight and and that growing thing. That seems to be. and, And also the question of like, is you know what what about the intel she's kind of cagey on that so like whatever that stuff is to me is the most interesting part of this issue so far the action's fun and it's you know it's just kind of bombastic really fun stuff a couple of really cool moments but i wasn't like floored by this issue i i just really want to see more of sam and and misty like i actually just want (laughs) i want that to become a bigger focus of the book for me uh what you guys think i actually texted a friend of mine um who was used to live in new york and is a good friend of mine and i was like this is an example of why you need diversity hiring in more places because there is just a scene in here that i was reading and i was just kind of trying to get through this book because i had forgotten to read it and i stopped and i was like this has got to be written by a black person i went back and i was like yeah okay yeah all right and it's a scene where they're talking about kennedy's fried chicken which if you've never been in new york is a real thing (laughs) and kennedy fried chicken is like the hood fried chicken and there's one in like every kind of low income low income working class neighborhood they have the red awnings out front and they're always called something different they might be called crown fried chicken kennedy's fried chicken but it's halal style fried chicken right and they always have these crazy combos with like two wings and fries for like 225 so if you're struggling artists 
you survive on this stuff like while you're in New York, right? Um, but yeah, there used to be one across from the building I lived in when I first moved in there and I lived with my friend. And we used to sit in there and just have this kind of conversation like Misty and Sam is having about like chicken places in like Kennedy's and they, and they advertise themselves as KFC. That's the whole kind of funny logic <laughs> to it. And then you get it plus and it's Kennedy's fried chicken. You're like, Oh, that is not at all the same thing. But um, yeah, but it's, it's these intricate little details are like, and I'm making a joke, but I'm not, but like diversity hiring is important because this felt and like you said, like a certain way is Sam as a black character and the Captain America. This felt very authentic look mm -hmm. and characterization of him and what's different about him and how he sees the world than Steve Rogers, which I think is something you really do need to nail down in these two books. That these two men both have this kind of ideal about America, but in two different kind of ways because they are two different kind of people. So um, yeah, I thought that was good. And I actually thought the action made me think like, you know, Torres Falcon and this, you know, Sam Wilson, Captain America are badass, more badass than I would have thought. And they seem to be, you know, pretty good fighters and, you know, operational guys. So I think this was just like, like we always say, like the proverbial setup episode, you know, that's a slow burn setup. But, you know, you got Rumlow coming in, you got some interesting things happening. And so I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. And, you know, Silva's artwork is awesome. So, yeah, it's always good. Janelle? Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. Loved the artwork and the coloring and obviously like totally different than Moon Knight. It was just kind of like the bright and comic booky, like everything I needed this week. And I just, I loved it. I love seeing Sam as Captain America. Like I'm just, oh God, I'm loving it. I'm eating it up. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Nicole? Um, actually, I love this book for the same reason that Kofi did. Um, what I love about, you know, you have to have the, for me, Captain America, books work best when we get the idea of America as it is perceived or as people think it should be in America as it's actually lived by the people who experience it. Mm -hmm. And that authenticity that we get at the difference Americas that people like, you know, this version experiences versus, you know, Steve. And for me, that was the selling point between that and the really good art. It's a slow burn book, but I'm definitely going to keep reading this. I really liked it. The diversity yeah. matters. My, my son is black. The diversity matters huge in my household. So I'm really excited for this series. Rock on. Uh, so next uh, last book of the week. I'm sorry, Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> we're diving into Gotham and There's we're no going Batman. dark. It's oh, fine. Okay. There's no Batman. Was uh, Suicide Squad Get Joker number three. Uh, this book is, yeah, this is the continuation and the final. This is actually the final book of this uh, DC Black Label miniseries uh brian azarello alex malieve so of course i feel like i cannot for the life of me remember if we actually talked about the second issue on the show i know we talked about the first and we loved it at the time and i cannot remember what we all thought about the second one but here it's it's just the big finale and what i think works well with suicide squad movies and it's probably why i loved james gunn's suicide squad and i've really enjoyed the black label stuff is that you know this concept really almost requires you to be able to lean into some of those more brutal and off kilter and disturbing subject matter sometimes to make an impact. Cause we've already seen this premise done so many ways otherwise, you know what I mean? It just doesn't get a chance to really dip into that. And this issue has a lot of that. And so if you liked the other two, I mean, I I've enjoyed the series The series is, has some hard moments to be able to, especially one that involves kids later, which is very 
difficult for me sometimes when when that mm-hmm. stuff happens in comics and things like that. Um, I, that was a little, uh, that was a lot for me, but I also understand like what they were going for and things like that. Anyway, I enjoyed this issue, but I'm glad it's over. Is that like a, <laughs> I'm glad the series is done. Is that a, like a no, I mean, worthwhile it, opinion? I don't it, know. It, it stated, it, this will be a great, I mean, this is going to be an awesome graphic novel. Like when yeah. it's put to all together. Um, no, I mean, DC is also kind of wearing out the Suicide Squad stuff. Uh, I can't keep my Suicide Squad story straight. Between this, other Suicide Squad books, Rogues, um, you know, in... 15 other Batman stuffs that are going on all around the thing, including with Joker books everywhere. It, it, it gets hard. I had to literally go back and read. I was like, I don't, I started reading three and I was like, I don't think I ever read two. And then I went back and I was like, Oh no, I did. It's just been like so yeah. long. And I forget all the other stories I've put in my head on top of this. I forgot this one, but um, no, this was a good finale. Like this was a much better one than two because this kind of played out and there are just so many great scenes. And I yeah. think that's just, what this was there are some great scenes in in this book and uh like plastique's death is so great like the whole thing where she's like okay they're like all right plastique what do you think we should do and she just gets like shot up and she's just like dude throw me out don't wake me waste this and just like blows up and the finale i mean the ending was i think is one of those is one of the stronger endings i've seen to a dc story in a long time the way it just kind of leaves you with what happens and it's this very intense moment between red hood and joker that's kind of very intimate and personal to the two of them and i think if nothing else, this book did one of the more kind of interesting depictions of Joker because he's kind of more kind of subdued and and even just more, uh, no, not to say reasonable, but he's like much more of a level character in this um, compared with these other misfits. And he's just kind of the dude like, yep, yeah, we're going on this crazy ride, man, this is nuts. And then like at the end, and he's just kind of like, eh, he's not kind of nonchalant. So that was that was all interesting to me. So I think they leaned into his in the manipulative side of the character yeah. a lot in this series, especially in this issue. Because oh, he's in everybody's heads. Like, yeah, the that's he's the thing that's like are, you you can't. He's just as lethal when he's calm, and that's because he's always working you. And so I I think that was an idea that was really interesting that they kind of focus on in this in this one. Janelle, what do you think? I know you love Joker. Yeah, I mean, I love I and I love this Joker. I think this is like a cool and unique Joker, and he's kind of Jared Leto-y a little bit. Like, I love the, how you just skipped around the word "sexy." I mean, he's not sexy. Let's not. I mean, he's okay. <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> but, um, but uh, okay, I'm so sorry. But Harley Quinn's outfit, I just cannot. I can't get past. What the that. hell is with that? I can't. I can't. Bro, you're talking about a series where she did a stripper. Well, I, yeah, that's like, fine. That was a like climax of last. I, lo- I, I love, like, I love okay. my sex workers and I love my strippers, but like, come on, she's doing high kicks in a bikini and it, it, the top is a bando. It would fall down and her boobs would be flopping out. Like, that's just the truth. I mean, I can't argue with that. And which again is fine because I love beautiful women, but beyond that, I loved it. I thought it was really fun. I really like the Suicide Squad. I don't feel maxed out on Suicide Squad stuff. I feel totally fine with it. So I, I'm. it's not too much for me. And to see Joker not with Batman is satisfying for me because as you guys know, I'm a little <laughs> a little overstimulated on the Batman stuff. Uh, so yeah. And then I honestly didn't realize this is the last... Uh, the last book. So I, I was like, oh yeah, he definitely didn't at the end do the thing that I think he was that didn't happen. And so I don't know. I'm okay. Now I'm, I have to reread it because <laughs> it's like, now that I know it's close, I'm like, oh gosh, maybe, maybe Joker did 
made it. <laughs> so. Yeah, this was an amb like ambiguous ending. I think yeah. done well. Um, you know, Very you, well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Nicole, what do you think? Um, I think this is going to be better when I have the opportunity to actually sit down and read all three together because I mm -hmm. honestly forgot this series existed. It's Me been too. so long. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it, but I, I like Janelle. I was like, "What the heck is that Harley Quinn outfit?" <laughs> the crap. Um, she's like emotional. She's like got a tear, but she's like in a bikini. You're like, okay, I'm like that. Functionally, that doesn't work that way, but okay. <laughs> ma ma magic bandos. I don't know. No, um, I mean, but, they really set the tone a little different in Birds of Prey when they were trading hair ties during fights. And, yeah. It's just a level of realism you gotta you can't ignore. Yeah, I'm never gonna get past that. But yeah, no, for me, this, this was kind of a I read it, didn't really absorb too much of it. I will go back and read it as part of the whole. And then for me, you know, I think that this is one of those things that's gonna work better as part of a whole. But I also had a lot of like most of my Gotham related brain space was taken up this week by future state Gotham. So, which we're not going to go there. So yeah, I'm just gonna have to revisit this one altogether yeah. to have a real opinion. I, th I think this will, I mean, I think about this with all the DC black label stuff, the trades of those and the collections are going to oh, be, yeah. they're, they're, well, that's they're what the game is really they're, they're way better yeah. than just, they're fantastic. Um, my yeah. only nitpick is, you know, just with some of the DC black label projects like this one, this one got pushed. So, mm -hmm. It's just like because there was so much in the Batman world happening at any given time, yeah. there is only so much bandwidth that I can exactly. use to think. So, like, you know, yeah, you have to go back and read because you just there's so much other stuff yeah. that comes in and it's all utilizing the same character. So if you're going to dip into that, at least make it to where it's like three months in a row. Like just like have it in the bag and then He's release boom, it. Boom, boom, so boom. that way, yeah. So mm -hmm. that way it never leaves. Cause that's been the problem with a couple different black label stories. Mm -hmm. It's like I have to go back and reread so because I don't remember what happened. And it's great, but there's just so much real estate, especially in the Batman world. Some of yeah. the other ones, like Aquaman's coming out with a black label, and you damn straight, we're gonna be reading that. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm board. ready. But there's Come only on. like two Aquaman books, so it's not a big deal that like that one can be pushed six months. We'll probably remember it because it's fine. You know? So yeah. So that's comics this week, everybody. <laughs> and that'll be comic book nation this week. Thank you guys. Uh, if you want to get into the show, subscribe on your plot, all your favorite podcast platforms. We're on all of them. If you want to watch our live stream every week, we're on app or we're on uh, Facebook, on YouTube and on Twitch. If you want to follow us and keep up to date with the show, go on Twitter and follow us at comic book nation. We also have a YouTube page that'll be coming where we'll be dropping all kinds of extra videos and contents for you guys who are fans of the show. So stay tuned for that as well. Otherwise have a good week. We will see you guys later. And uh, if you missed any of the show, we'll be on Paramount plus Sunday morning at nine Eastern time. So check us out then as well on your big screen TV. See you later. Uh, this is comic book nation. Peace. Bye, guys.